0: Hello, Ambush, and welcome to this episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast. Here with me, your host, Colton G. And today on the show, we are joined by singer-songwriter Taylor Abrahamsey as we discuss his self-titled Day Abuse album, which recently Released, and we are going to be going behind the music of this journey. Some of you may know Taylor Abrahamsey for his work as a voice actor on series like A Fang, A Bone, and The Stanley Dynamic. Some of you may even know him as a top 30 40 finalist in Canadian Idol, but now Now it is finally the time for Taylor to release a different piece of himself. We're gonna go behind the process of crafting this album. We're gonna go behind how the incredible Grammy award-winning Eddie Kramer, who has worked with groups like Kiss, with Peter Frampton, with Jimi Hendrix, How he came to become involved with this album. What Eddie was able to bring to the studio. How he was able to help Taylor in bringing this album to life. We're going to dive into some of the tracks as well. Including Out Like a Light and it's powerful music video and how exactly that connects to Taylor's personal life. All of this and so much more. In today's episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast and it all is brought to you by DesertTigerMerch.com where you go to copy yourself something to represent the show everywhere. Yo, beautiful face ghosts. Yeah. And now that we told you what it's brought by, now that we told you who our guest is, I think it's about time that we jumped into this conversation with Taylor abraham c let's
1: go hello battle brother it is i fangbone thank you very much for the sharing and supporting of the video
0: the desert tiger podcast but either way i'm glad that we could get things figured out that we could connect here today so how are you doing
1: i'm good I'm, i'm very good thank you um I'm loving the weather. I'm thankful to be kind of nearing the end of the the promotion cycle for this first record and thinking about next things and also, uh, you know, uh, finding some closure on this first project. And yeah, I don't know. It's all good.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I love to hear it. I love to hear it. And we're here to talk a little bit about that. First project here today. So, are you ready to jump on into it? Sure. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So, from what I can see, you've been singing and songwriting for quite a little bit of time. You've been trying to put together this debut release, this album for some time. So, when exactly did this rendition of Taylor Abrahamsey? begin to start to come together
1: this rendition that's an interesting way of putting it um this uh if you if you mean the record itself um then really that began as far back as as 2016 when you know i applied for a factor grant i was like okay well uh i'm doing well in voice acting i'm doing well in 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 you know composing for tv I've always been obsessively writing songs and always thought that I would be a singer songwriter. But also, this other stuff's going really well. Maybe life's telling me not to explore this stuff. But what the hey? Let's apply for a, a couple grants, see what happens. And you know, I I got the Factor Grant on the on the first try, which is uh, not common, which is nice. And then, um, and then a Toronto Arts Council one as well. And I went just for a day of Canadian Music Week uh early in 2017 and i you know i was taking a seminar at the time which was um all about kind of deconstructing the thoughts that we have going into every interaction and going into life and you know you start to realize how much everyone's thinking the same things so it's like everyone's going to these conferences all feeling awkward and and nervous and it's like if if everyone's feeling that way it really to me seems like it's just something that exists in the head and there's nothing about it that's in the real world that's actually tangible it's you know it's like everyone on the streetcar all afraid of each other and darting their eyes back and forth but it's all in here you know so I uh I just decided I'm just going to be relentless today and like just be totally out here and see what happens and so I was literally waiting in lineup for something, but I realized, wait, I don't need to wait in this this lineup. I'm signed up. Why am I just waiting around? So I saw that there was a booth that had a guitar, and I asked if I could play it, and they agreed. And so it was kind of like a way for me to just kind of quickly have a free audience for myself at this conference. And um, a guy was there about to leave for the day. His name was Eddie Kramer, and he really liked me, and we chatted for a few minutes. and. Then he called me that night and wanted to work with me. I didn't, uh, I didn't think m- too much of it at the time because, you know, you can be a little jaded in the music industry. Because um, and, and even if someone is a, you know, a production legend like he is, doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best fit for what you're trying to do. But um, I thought about it and, you know, I just thought I, I can't pass up that, that opportunity. So we kept on talking and, you know, and he kept following up with me as well. So I was like, okay, this guy's serious. It's not just, you know, business talk. It was a genuine desire to work with me. And so we went from there. Uh, it was a long process for the, for the uh, completion of it. But actually the, the real spark of it happened very quickly, where as soon as he was really on board, I decided. Okay, well, obviously the universe is telling me to pursue this uh, singer-songwriter thing uh, a lot more again. And you know, I put far too much into it throughout my life to just kind of let it go. Um. So I and actually, what ended up happening was during that summer and early fall, I wrote a ton of songs, um, and kind of the best songs I'd ever written up to that point, and very much with with Eddie's encouragement uh, behind me propelling that and um, really having a, a very rigid life of just like constantly writing and setting full days aside just to try and write really good songs. And I still have a ton of others that didn't make the cut for whatever reason. But um, so most of the songs were new songs, um, like not from prior to that meeting. And so we bed tracked it all near the end of that year um with a band that I'd put together exhaustively. It was like my whole life was just about making this record and like every every second was me trying to make the most of every moment leading up to it. You know, like even before the bed track recording, I I like ritualistically like listened to my favorite albums the night before to like put me completely in the space and zone of like, okay, this is the moment, this is the thing. But as it went along, being so significant and intense about this record and you know, viewing it as like my chance to make it and all this stuff was also kind of killing me, you know, and especially as it went along and there were things that, you know, just mistakes that happen or life that happens and profoundly complicates making this thing the way that you intended. Um, and, and you have all these expectations on yourself that just won't shut up. Um, it, it got really dark about halfway through trying to finish it, you know, recording, lovely, delightful. Even, you know, a certain amount of the mixing and comping was delightful. But, you know, halfway through it was like, uh, have I ruined my life? Have I like thrown away tens of thousands of dollars into something that just I dug a hole for myself I just can't get out of? Um, and like, hmm, what would what would make this album seem great, even if it's not great? Maybe if I like. And this, this is going to suddenly get dark, but like for, for a few minutes there, I thought, what if I like just killed myself or something? Because then it would be uh, like I joined the 27 Club, you know, and, and they always get much more credit, you know. Uh, so like I was just so hell bent on all that. I'm I'm glad that you you enjoy that because that's how it's supposed to be taken like like it's funny you know
0: I've, I've had those moments so I understand that exact mindset where it's like what what if <laughs>
1: what if and, and so I ended up uh, realizing I've got a lot of programming in my head that isn't there to help me it's kind of in the way and um, so this album and the process of making it and kind of having all the stars align and i'm working with this legend who's gonna make get all of my music heroes to hear it and he's gonna you know change my whole life and we're making this masterpiece together and all that all that gunk um going through all that was um so so essential in my growth just to inadvertently see how brainwashed we've been by tv and everything about the hero's journey and how everything's supposed to turn out and uh and i get to use that going forward with my further albums and just just ultimately be a lot more freed up <laughs> but it, it, it took it took something to get there and it's still something that i work at every day and uh it's it's really helped shape the direction of the next thing that i'm making you know um so i'm just i've gotten a little grant for that so far but i'm working on more and figuring things out but anyway, yeah, ultimately I think that the album you know has gotten it's gotten a lot of positive feedback and it's opened up a lot of doors for me. Uh even if you know certainly there were things I'm doing that I'm going against the grain of how you're supposed to promote yourself and how you're supposed to do things in you know the TikTok Spotify universe. And um but I'm a, I'm content with that. In a way all that stuff I I've got really mixed feelings about and I don't want to be part of the problem with what I'm doing and I don't want to like degrade music itself. That makes sense because I think we we cheapen the work that we make sometimes depending on how we promote it and putting it into all these little things that are just part of a scrolling feed no one's absorbing it and no one's feeling it and no one's really experiencing it and it's it's just a big massive digital marketplace like some Arabian bazaar with just all these people yelling and trying to get each other's attention. And I just want to get enough people to just come to my bazaar and like, it sounds so dark, but like stick them in the back room and just show show them my stuff. So, um, you know, obviously there's gotta be a bit of a balance of all of it, but I kind of want to, um, train people to be very cautious about social media at the same time with, with what I'm doing and use it very sparingly. And I don't know, I'm, I'm still figuring everything out. I've answered about 15 questions now, that imaginary questions in my head. Do you have any more specific?
0: Oh, don't you worry. I always have questions within the questions. <laughs> it's, it's who I am. So I plan on getting to the streaming and the other stuff otherwise, because I know that that's something you spoke about sort of in the epilogue of the album yeah. there. Yeah. So I want to get to that too. But I also want to acknowledge just um, the incredible like pieces that went into a lot of this with how you said where, first off, for any artist to get a playing spot at a Canadian Music Week is an incredible opportunity. And it's not to say that you even had that. It's just you happen to be in that one space, because with Canadian Music Week, there can be multiple conferences going on at the same time, too. So you happen to be in the right area where they have a guitar. And the right person just happens to also be in the right room just before they leave. And it's it, it's for you to say. But
1: see, you watch enough movies, and that's the way that it sets it up. It's is just like there's just some some kid who's lost, and like the light shines down and gives him a purpose and gives him clarity but all of that it didn't happen that way it was it was literally just i'm gonna make the most of of this day and there were a ton of other things that i did as well i was just continually being open to opportunities and then that's one that showed up and sure it led to a lot of cool stuff but you know it's like i think everything's a bit of a double-edged sword you know like if i had worked with some young hip uh producer instead and we'd been making electronic pop music i'd have a bigger audience by now, you know, but, but I got to have this very creatively fulfilling, uh, experience instead, you know, it's, it's just, it was just a different uh, experience. And the funny thing is I didn't, I I think I applied that year to be a proper performer at CMW and I didn't get in. Like I, I, I don't, I don't quite understand the rationale there, but then I, I kind of snuck my way into performing, um, just for people on the conference floor. That's what happened, right? It wasn't, The thing of going around with your card and being like, hey, come see me at eight o'clock tonight at, you know, this this pub that's two miles away as if they're going to come, you know. So. Yeah, I think that it was just a smart thing to do. That's all.
0: Well, it's it's not to say it's that it's not to say it's that movie thing. It's more so to say it's sometimes you never know where those seeds that you plant where they're going to go or where they're going to lead. And you can always go and do pop music or whatever else later on down the road too. And this is an experience where you got to release a different piece of yourself and you can always grow and move from there. So let's speak a bit more about this piece of yourself and how Eddie Kramer helped to bring it to life. So how did Mr. Eddie Kramer, a pretty storied producer in his own right. How did he help this production? What did he bring to your music?
1: Well, I'd say that he was very good at being hands-off and 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 selectively hands-on with me, you know? Cuz he knew that he was working with someone who had a picture and a vision. Um and it was it was comforting actually how often our visions lined up. Um, you know where it was like I want to I want to have like roads on this song and I and, and I've got this string line idea that should show up right here and he's like yes that's great yeah yeah that's right or like we got to get like a three part harmony right there yes yes exactly exactly what I was thinking you know so um it it reaffirmed to me that a lot of my own instincts are good instincts um, and but also you know he taught me a lot um, about how feeling is key in what you're doing. And that's a very easy thing to lose sight of today because we're we're trained to hear mistakes as mistakes, you know, rather than a little thing that humanizes something that may seem to detract in that moment, but in the flow of the whole piece makes that thing 30 seconds later, just scream out in some extra beautiful way. You know, he he sat me down to, for example, like he engineered everything Jimi Hendrix did, right? So um, there was a time where he was mixing uh, "Out Like a Light," actually my newest song, and we, but also kind of the same time in a in a different room, he was working on this five point one surround sound remix of, I think, "Axis Bold is Love" or or some some massive record like that. And so he sat me down and uh in this state of the art studio and just got me to listen to that, experience that because he was just trying to teach me about the power of being raw and like just letting letting the mistakes be there and letting everything hang out. And it was a really overwhelmingly uh beautiful experience and and something that stuck with me and it's like it depends on the type of song you're trying to make. You know, I think part of the dilemma is like there are some songs that are very raw on the record, but there's also ones that are meant to be kind of a a picture of something very polished. Um, so it was a balance of of that, and um, I don't know if I went too far with trying to clean it up or not far enough, or or whatever. But uh, either way, I I learned a ton about. Um, Learning to love what you have because only you can have that, and don't try to airbrush that out. You know, you've got one chance to be for what you are to exist in the universe. So make opportunities for that to come out. You don't have to like it, but it's you, and it's the one chance for it to happen. So let it out. You know. So I, I think it was a it was a, a reaffirmation of, of of that working with Eddie and. Um, you know, he's he, just a brilliant, exuberant man. Uh, it was, he was, uh, evidence to me that living a life in music, like he's like 78 now, you know, living, living, living a life in music, just, um, it really is a good life. You know, the, the level of energy that that man has and, and wit and playfulness. Um, yeah, wow. that's what you want. Wow. You know, and, and when you're surrounded by that, it, it has a really good effect on you. So I'm, I'm incredibly thankful even just for knowing him, even if we didn't do anything together, just thankful to be in his presence. Mm -hmm.
0: Even just to take a little bit of the fruit off of that knowledge tree that is Eddie Kramer.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I, I, I took opportunities whenever I could to just like sit down. And even if, you know, I didn't understand the engineering side, just, trying my best to learn what was happening there, you know, like when, when he'd start mixing a song, just like intensely focusing on how the drums and the bass are sitting together first and, you know, working, working with the other engineer to just like really tune those in and, you know, just like "Hmm, move that to 2.2. Yes, yes, yes. That's it. That's it. And, and how 50 years of experience just uh, allows him to, know exactly what to bring out and and how to use all these pieces of gear in a really optimal way and and you know i think that um there's it's and i also learned just yeah again how unreliable my own mind is because uh the amount to which at times i'd be like this just doesn't sound right um and then you know, as time goes on, I realize how lovely it really is, and it's just different. It's Different, and it's okay to be different.
0: Absolutely, you know. Absolutely. So he taught you how to be honest, and not only how to be honest, but how to accentuate that honesty.
1: Yes, and, and I think that I I um, I resisted that that lesson at times, and I I certainly can uh, regret that, but. I also, you know, it's, it's tricky, man. It's tricky because you care so much about what you're trying to make and you're trying to have full perspective on it and trying to just always do what's in the best interest of the project. And sometimes it's, it doesn't seem like that humanity is of interest. It can just sound like a burp or a fart, you know, rather than something that's actually helping someone connect to it. You know, that's all. Anyway.
0: Hey, you never know where these pieces of yourself, once they become let out into the world and they become other people's property as well, you never know how it's going to influence them or how it's going to help them grow either. So you just have to put it out there and let it do its work. Let those children grow up and become their own beautiful things.
1: Yeah. 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 I I think the interesting thing is that, okay, if if we're going to go with that metaphor, maybe it's, Maybe it's more that the the children were were ready to leave the nest um, sooner than I let them, you know. Um, that's all. But. I let them go. I let them go eventually, and I hope they'll forgive me.
0: Yeah, hey, it's um, it's as every parent does. You got to let them go and you got to let your creations go, too. And it's you just have to trust that they'll they'll do the beauty and have the magic that you planned for them.
1: It's kind of cool uh, if we look at at it with the parent metaphor because it's like every album is like a new mistress and you know a, a new set of children and another chance to do things better without telling the other children about the other mother. You can
0: still come over. We'll still play with you every once in a while. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, about that. Um, you know. Uh, I kind of have three other uh, families uh, spread out throughout the world. I
0: love it. I love it. So let's take a quick dive into some of these children and what they mean to you. So you mentioned Out Like a Light, which very powerful music video, a lot of well, the music video. Yes. But the song itself also incredibly powerful and just the words and the lyrics and the metaphors of throwing the fist and everything else. And then just to see the video and how that adds like an entire different aspect to just the throwing of a fist and everything else into it. So do the, does the song and the video, do they have that connecting theme or was the song something else that you built where later on it was just like, oh dang, this this works? Um, What's
1: funny is that that was the song that I put the absolute least thought into uh, entirely. Uh, It was Eddie's a rock and roll producer. Uh, Generally, he's wanting me to do these songs that are a bit more ambitious and, uh, and, and just real slices of like classic singer songwriter. Um, Let's just throw him a bone and give him, give him like a fun little rock and roll song. And, and it was also, I wanted something that would act as a bit of an intermission on the album. You know, just a palate cleanser, a breather after, you know, I think the song before it is "Endless Heaven," which is like the me trying to write the saddest song possible. You know, so I just wanted a breather, and so I I think I basically wrote it in shorter than the length of the song. You know what I mean? It was just like, okay, yeah, all right, and then the chorus a couple times, and uh a light Okay, and then it's done. All right, you know what I mean? Like it, it, I was I was trying to like shut off my mind, like the song is saying, and just write it, and and that's why it's like out like a light. It's it's an intermission, it's a breather, um, and then uh, my mom has Parkinson's, and she was taking part in a boxing program for people with Parkinson's, and then my dad made that connection of you should you should do the video there. Was, oh, of course, amazing, great, perfect, uh, and. Also you know my parents are boomers they love good old rock and roll I think a lot of boomers love good old rock and roll so it's a way to it's a way to give back to the 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 forgotten generation yeah. you know and, and I like that um, but also you know my mom's uh, an amazing person who despite having that uh, continues to be really active and sharp and it it took a lot for her to just be in the video and let herself uh, you know, it's always been hard for her to be on film, you know, but to have the courage to let herself be in that, I think was just a, a real breakthrough for her, especially given her condition. And I'm really proud of her for that. And I think that, that really helps with the, um, at least with her sense of shame around it. And I think a lot of other people's too, you know, I'm not expecting to cure Parkinson's disease with it, but I think that what the video does do is it uh, reveals more possibilities for community and for uh, rediscovering physical control um, through through programs like that boxing program, and it just helps people with Parkinson's get freed up from the stigma of it all, and and that's fabulous to me. So I'm I'm really proud of that and pleased with that, and you know and music and your children will do what they do. So, you know, time will tell what else these songs provide for the world or maybe not. That and that's what's so weird. I I was thinking about this the other day. I'm just going to put this out there. I would love on cuz okay, there's a Leonard Cohen quote in a song that goes, uh it's it's a bleak song called The Future and he's like there won't be nothing you can't measure anymore in the future, you know? And so I thought, how, because, and there's like a country that measures the, the gross national happiness for that country, right? Uh, I think it's like, they're like right outside of China or something like that. But they were also the first people to get, who dealt with COVID the best, people who put happiness as a as a priority for the country, which is interesting. But anyway, I'm br- I bring all this up to say, I think it'd be cool if there was a way that you could measure um, the overall cultural impact of of a piece of music. And there was like a number that we could assign to it. And on Spotify, instead of just seeing the streams that something's getting, you can see, oh, but it's a four. Yeah. It's only got 3000 plays, but it's a 4.2 on, on the, you know, on the influence scale. Um, so it's like that artist profoundly influenced all these other artists who made all these other things that had a ton of plays or whatever, you know, like, because it's so hard for us to we have no way of really understanding uh the impact of anything that we've created but it but still intuitively we know that it feels good what we've done you know
0: well that'd be amazing
1: even even if it's a seed a seed can become a freaking tree three thousand years from now you know
0: well absolutely it's Sometimes you don't plant the seed knowing so that you can see the fruit off the tree. It's so that your children and your grandchildren exactly. and whoever else down the road, it's like we said earlier, sometimes you plant a seed not knowing where it's going to lead. Sometimes you don't see all of the fruit or the benefits of that tree either, but you plant the tree knowing that the tree has the ability to make an impact.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like if, if there was even just one person who was, uh, profoundly touched by the Out Like a Light video and, you know, took part in one of those uh, Parkinson's programs and found a community and found belonging, like, that's that's priceless. And, and that has profound ripples. So, and, and I've gotten some really uh, nice comments uh, from people in direct messages about people being really moved by it. So, um, yeah, that's great. Awesome.
0: Awesome. And it's it is it's it's a video that shows hope, it shows community, it shows strength. And even just your mom's message at the end of the video, too, is like that that really hits a heart, no matter what your perspective or background should be. It's you learn to appreciate it through the video. And then to hear your mom sort of just make the analogy she does at the end is just it really, it really hits. It kind of kind of got me in the feels. (laughs) Good.
1: Yeah, I I think what I'm trying to do is take on difficult things with, um, with lightness and, and joy and, and a sense of playfulness, you know, and show people that the inner kid never has to go away and, but also not to just be, you know, naive about it and like be toxically positive about it either. Um you know, to not shy away from the realities of life and things at the same time.
0: All right, Ambush, we're going to take a short break here. Don't you fret. We'll get back to this conversation right away. Before that, we need to take a moment to shout out the Hero Maker's Movement and Podcast, a show hosted by Lori Nichols and Anne Chow, and they are bringing you lively conversations on important topics. Inspiring change in the world. One act, one word, and one dream at a time. And they're currently in season two. So they're continuing to bring you amazing conversations on a regular basis. You can find them in your favorite podcast, listening app, or service. They also have video form on YouTube and a wonderful website, You can find The Nine Traits of Being a Hero Maker, an incredible blog, and so, so much more. So go ahead and search for The Hero Makers Movement and podcast today. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so let's dive into another one of these songs here, which is a single that released the day that we're recording this so let's do, talk a little bit about i don't care anymore a little bit more of a uh, different energy here
1: indeed um so this was actually a song that i wrote years prior to meeting eddie and all that um that was during my first real breakup in my entire life and uh I, i'm it's it's easier to write songs about social causes and, and things like that than than it is to just you know, the, the songs about real disappointment and pain uh, that you go through um, are special things that only come around so often. And all you can do is keep writing and sharpening your your toolkit so that when you're going through a major life experience like that and, and the channel's open, that it's all just going to come out. And so that was a really good example of just, uh, a song that I think is quite well constructed that came very quickly, um, because it was, you know, directly from real life experience. And ultimately, you can't write the best songs in a bubble. So, yeah. In fact, uh, one one thing that's interesting about it is the the bridge, which is this very simple bridge about you know the whole song is about trying to deny that you're, that you don't, to deny that you care um, still about the relationship and about the person. And for me, I was, I was dealing with the, the loss and this thing ending, you know, cause it was a very perplexing relationship. I was younger, a lot, a lot younger and a, a lot more dumb. And, um, You know, she actually asked me to like move out of the place that we were renting and uh, it was heavy. And one of the last days there, I was looking out the window of this room and just seeing a couple walking down the street together and thinking, "Okay, well, I got to write this bridge. What do I see? And I just saw a couple walking through the snow together, clutching each other's arms like uh, uh, down on Ossington. I just want to walk through the snow with you. Yeah. And I think that that's a, uh, it's a really nice bridge to just have something that simple and direct. And um, I obsessed over the vocals on that. I did it like I did. I must've done like a hundred takes putting myself through hell, trying to make like the perfect emotive vocal. Whereas you know, again, it goes back to the the thing I was talking about before, you know, about kind of not letting the kids go soon enough. Um, when we were first bed tracking the song in in Nashville, uh, a little be- like kind of around the same time that Eddie was involved, but I, I had already set up a trip to Nashville to, to lay down some of the music. So I was working with this guy named Fred Mullen, who's a fabulous producer, and um, we laid down the bed track at the end of the day tried to lay down like six songs most of them nothing has happened with so far actually interestingly enough because i just i wrote better songs you know and but but there was that one and i did a couple vocal takes i was i was like okay well these are scratch vocals whatever but he like he begged me to just use one of those vocals he's like it's so real and beautiful and honest one. I wasn't warmed up. I had a coffee beforehand. That's not how you are supposed to sing. What are you talking about? Um, But, I mean, that's a guy who has a ton of experience and, you know, uh, recorded a lot of, you know, my favorite artists as well, you know, and and, uh, a bunch of Jimmy Webb albums and um, got to be the last person to record Linda Ronstadt before um, her Parkinson's affected her ability to sing. Um or I'm sorry, is it Parkinson's Linda that has? Or I'm not sure. It might be something else. I, 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 I might be wrong there. But regardless. Um yeah. And and even then I still resisted that and was like, no, I'm gonna do a hundred takes. And I think I did ultimately end up with something better, but it was hard. It was really hard. Uh and and for doing those vocals i just thought about it from every angle like i just want to walk through the snow with you one take i'd be thinking about you know my grandparents getting older and wanting to spend time with them one take it would be thinking about like you know a childhood pet that passed away you know like whatever i could do (laughs) and trying it from all these different angles and trying to just get the ultimate vocal out of myself
0: Hmm. just that's um and that's that one lyric, as you say, it's very simple, but it's sometimes it's those really small things. And even with like a grandparent, when they're getting older, it's it's a lot of those small things that we're going to appreciate when things go on, like just being able to walk with somebody through the snow. So it's a really beautiful lyric and moment to really put together there. I love well, it.
1: Well, I, th- I think that that life when I always look back at like, what are the highlights of my year? Looking back at each year, it tends to be stupid little things where I just really allowed myself to, to have fun um, or to, to experience a moment. And so that's really had me re-examine how I live my life and make, and I'm making it a lot less about, you know, doing everything on the list. Uh, and, and much more about like, Kind of like that country, adding in my uh, gross happiness index as like a priority for myself, you know.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and it is a good goal for sure.
1: Yeah, but yeah, so I'm I'm very I'm very pleased with I don't care anymore, and it's uh, I filmed the music video for it a few days ago, which will be out next month. Okay, nice. Yeah, and it, it's a good way to end the whole promo cycle for the album last song on the album hardest iron somehow it was like definitely the hardest song to make probably just because of how how difficult it is to um, feel like I had you know done the right vocal and um, you know being per- the thing about being a perfectionist is uh, you don't you don't want to give yourself closure when the I- irony is closure only comes from just being like, okay, that song is done. Or okay, that relationship is done. You know? Um, it's like, but I need closure. I can't have closure until I do this song perfectly. But I can't do this song perfectly. It's like I created a system for myself where I could just never be um complete. There's a vicious circle. So um only in actually just letting go the album in whatever state it's in could I let it go. <laughs> you know it's that Bob Newhart, there's this Bob Newhart sketch where it's like, he's a, he's a therapist and, um, and she's like, Oh, I'm having all these thoughts and doubts. And he's like, my advice, stop it. What, what do you mean? Well, just stop it. Just stop doing that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) It it really is that simple. um, And we make it so much harder for ourselves. So Oh, I just I just I think about all that and because it was really amazing. Once the album came out, I thought, you know, oh, I was anticipating that moment for so long. And then it was just like, okay. Yeah. Listen. Oh, moving on. We're like, here. <laughs> yeah. well, the world is still here. It, nothing's blown up. And yeah, I don't know. It's a great lesson in like all the significance I had added to everything that's all and um yeah ultimately I'm, I'm very proud of that song but uh i'll limit myself to maybe like 10 takes going forward that's all
0: <laughs> that's fair that, that's ultimately fair all right so there's so 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 many more questions i could ask of you but i've already taken so much more of your time so i'll ask my last question
1: okay or I'll make them super short, and maybe you can ask a few. But uh, and I'll I'll have super short answers if possible. No. But go ahead.
0: Because if this is the last question, that means we can talk again in the future. Oh. Yes. I see. Yes, and that's that's a beautiful thing. Wow. So through this process, we've talked about a lot of the things that you've learned and how you've grown and otherwise, but. What would you say? Maybe the most important takeaway, the most important lesson, or how has this process helped you grow as a human being?
1: Oh well, I mean, I th- I think that's what I've been uh, talking about the entire time. I, in terms of a like a thesis statement of all that, um, mm, I don't know. I'm trying to distill a lot in that. I, I think I, I think I'm figuring that out. But ultimately, just that you know, life really is what you make of it, and all the stuff. Have, have compassion for yourself with all the stuff going through your mind and also getting that none of it a lot of it isn't real and um i'm just thankful that that i cultivated an opportunity for myself to really discover that because you can also hear insight day in and day out but sometimes you really just have to go through something in order to get it
0: all right i love it and it's so very true. Yeah. It's um it's what they say is sometimes you have to hit rock bottom before you can realize to get back on your feet and to get back up.
1: Yeah, and how cool that I, you know, I have a, a statement. I have a a collection of songs to represent that period in time that who knows what someone could get out of that.
0: Absolutely. Or who how else it could help someone rebound and become a better person and what they'll go on to create. And it's it's a beautiful cycle.
1: I, I hope to get a 7.2 out of 10 on the uh, uh, global influence scale beside my Spotify numbers.
0: Yes, we're, we'll have to start a petition for the global influence scale here. It's uh,
1: I think that it might take a thousand years for us to get so good at data mining and like have microchips in everyone's heads that we could actually really start to figure that out. But even then, I bet they'll still be like, you know bot farmers who are trying to like modify the gross influence scale oh just never end
0: send money to somebody in india to boost your gross influence scale in terms of music that really helped people when they were down
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah man that's messed up oh it just never ends oh have you have you seen that footage of like you know there's there's people who literally just have walls of cell phones tablets tablets tablets
0: tablets tablets tablets.
1: (laughs) yeah and it's just it'll play 40 seconds of the song and then go back to the start and it's just oh
0: because 40 seconds is the bare minimum you need for it to count on spotify apparently exactly
1: (laughs) yeah all that stuff is messed up
0: gotta love the system
1: (laughs) and and you know and even as an artist it's scary because okay we were going to talk about spotify and and stuff uh briefly yes please (laughs) yeah i i think uh you know even on my spotify right now it's like fans of taylor abraham's also like and then it's like all these weird bot accounts so i think that um some of the things that i've i've paid to try and get followers and things like that are probably not that genuine mm-hmm. and it's so hard to sniff those out online sometimes you know uh and and you know and you're paying to get on playlists and all this and You're hoping for the best and you have no clue. And you're like, I found these playlists through uh, a reputable source. So it's like, okay, but maybe like, who can I trust? So um, streaming seems like an absolute disaster. And and obviously I wrote substantially about, you know, the financial dilemmas with with streaming as well. Artists are just trying to get things up to a cent per stream, which shouldn't be that tricky. Um, and you know, like Tidal already does it. I'm trying to get everyone to at least just use title and to be patrons for artists. you know The thing is Spotify literally has a system where they can't pay artists much better. you know they're, they they're in between a rock and a hard place, and a lot of it is label interference uh, that kind of forces thing in the, in that direction, as well as you know bots that are um, watering down the pool that artists are receiving payment from um but you know spotify doesn't have a lot of incentive to stop that because they're getting 30 percent of the profit regardless whatever it is Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of stuff going on Mm -hmm.
0: so many Um, factors
1: yeah and and so i made these tracks that play after my album that are credits tracks because a lot of streaming services are terrible at just listing the credits of, of who was involved in a project I mean, the assumption is because everyone's just making music with their laptop in their room, and it's going to be three or four people. So who cares anyway? We can we can list those three or four people. But if you're trying to make like an album like mine, there's a ton of people involved and and they can't get acknowledged. And if they can't get acknowledged, then people can't find them and people can't hire them. You know, there's a there's a huge ripple effect. So I uh, so I I made these little credits tracks and I think I'll, I'll keep doing that um for records. i i went way overboard with it because you know i was still in ocd taylor mode and thinking oh yeah well that'll be easy that'll be easy no problem um but uh and made like a weird meta uh credits cafe where it's like it's the 60s but it's not See, and i, I loved and it, was a it. Way, thank you i'm glad it was a way for me to just connect with people during a pandemic as well and like let's all create something together somehow in all this so it was a nice way to collaborate with my friends and. Um, there's a ton more that have been made for the deluxe edition of the album, by the way. And, uh, I, I'm not totally sure when that's coming out, but I've got like 20, 25 more from people <laughs> of them making these little songs that are listening, that are performing the credits and wow. Yeah. It's, uh, I am pleased I did that a little Trojan horse of sorts, but, um, it's also tricky to advertise that and to like put press behind that because unless you're an artist with, with clout, people tend not to really care about what you're saying and what you're doing. Um, but I'd love to normalize the, the audio credits thing. I think that's just an interesting thing to do anyway, you know, regardless if you're also including PSAs about how streaming sucks. And they're not, you know?
0: Whatever your message happens to be, because I've heard the audio credits done like literally only once before. And that was by Lupe Fiasco on one of his first albums. I think it was technically his first like major album where his last song is literally a six minute thank you track to a lot of people. And That was the first time I ever had heard it. And then for you to come in and to actually add like the aspect of this is a cafe and like it added a whole lot more depth and I really loved it. And that's one thing that like I'm currently working on like a debut EP right now. And I've been talking with my producer about it where he's like, can I like keep my tags in the tracks? And I was like, abso freaking lutely if you want to is like, I want to do a thank you like shout out track at the end like that like even old hip-hop songs at the end of old hip-hop songs they would shout out a few different people exactly it's just like at the very least like why not put an entire track to like yo this this is what got me here yo it's like there's a lot of different steps and it's the same as like buying that old cd or that old vinyl and being able to like pick out the liner and like i know i'm not the only person that did that where you go through like all of the thank yous to be like, oh, who's this person? Oh, they did this. Okay, like, where are they now? Like, and like even back in the day, like reading a bunch of CD liners, I always had that thought where it's like, oh, I really want to work with this person because I've seen them thanked by like five different bands I listen to. So that's definitely like the type of person I want to work with.
1: Yeah, it, it, that's that's a, that's a great point. You know, there's definitely been times where I've listened to an album and. I, I love it, and then I realized, oh, that it's Phil Ramon. That was Billy Joel's producer, and he's on this, too. That makes sense. Um, and, and then it frees you up as an artist to explain to people what type of thing you're looking for, you know? Um, and, you know, and, for example, Eddie Kramer has a very distinct sound. You know, a, a lot of producers do have, like, a thing that they're known for and something that they bring to it. So you can say, like, I want that Kramer sound. Like well, I'm Eddie Kramer, so okay. Sounds good. <laughs> well, I know how to do that. <laughs> I know how to do that. Uh, so yeah, exactly. I think that's great that you're thinking of doing that, and um, and I definitely encourage you to. And, and you know, if you want to, even uh, have something in it that encourages other artists to do the same. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know, like a shout out to mine, or no, I'm, you don't have to do that. But but. uh, I probably will actually.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I'll shout out you and Lupe for inspiring me to do it. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. I, I, I just, uh, something it's, it's like so that people can more so that people can hear other examples of it and, and get ideas and get and continue to get excited about the idea. You know? Um, I think that's what's, what's good about it. Anyway, I, I know that I'm rambling at this point, and oh, normally I love we rambling to too. like 20 minutes. And, and I've, I'm sure we've got stuff to do as much as I'd love to keep talking.
0: Oh, I, I say 20 minutes, but I have gone well over an hour before. It's all if the conversation's flowing and everything's going good. Hmm, why not? Why not? Cool. So I've had a absolute blast. Like I said, we can always reconnect in the future. There's so much more to find out about you from like you said, there's upcom- more upcoming music. Your voice acting, everything else that you have on the go. So I'm sure we'll have so much more to talk about in the future.
1: I would really like that. This has been a joy.
0: Ah, uh, Ambush, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Taylor Abrahams. As we dove into his new debut self-titled album, which you can find right now in its entirety on your favorite music streaming service. And you should go and do that. When you're there, go ahead and hit follow because Taylor has more amazing music coming your way. You heard him discuss it here today and you don't want to miss it you might as well go ahead and follow Taylor on social media as well. Maybe even subscribe to his YouTube channel, Taylor A. Or is it Taylor E-H? Either way, go ahead and follow it so you can keep up to date with all of the amazing things that Taylor Abrahamsy is up to. And now I need to give Taylor a final roaring DTP. Thank you for joining us here today. I need to give a roaring DTP. Thank you to Carrie from Bad Parade for setting this interview up. And I hope that that's a name that you're going to be hearing a more of. I need to thank German from your podcast editor for making this episode sound so good. I need to thank you the ambush for tuning in to this episode of the desert tiger podcast for repping the show like you love to do if you have yet to join up with the ambush it's as easy as hitting follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app or service you know the one you're using right now you can also help the show grow by sharing this episode with your friends your family anyone who you think would enjoy the dtb or taylor Abrahamsy. You can review the show with a big old five stars. That would help us out too. And you can also go ahead and check out DesertTigerMerch.com to get yourself something to represent the show everywhere. Your beautiful, wonderful face goes. Ooh. Now it's about time that we say goodbye, but not before I say that you should go out and find your mountaintop of your oasis. Your aurora, the thing that makes your heart want to beat out of your chest, whatever that happens to be, find your aurora and then let it out into the world. Let them know just how wondrous, how powerful, and how beautiful you and your aurora are because you are all three of those things and oh, so much more. And Until next episode, bye-bye ambush. The
1: Desert Tiger Podcast